Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Carol and Stephen's life together was perfect. I've got to get going. Right this second. Hey, baby. Hey, sweetie. I love you. There's one small problem. Hi, I'm Ralph. I'm his brother. We're twins. Are your parents, um... Yeah. It can tear them apart. I think you're gonna let me know that everyone in your family's a midget. A walk down the aisle. Ah, uh, Stavens, uh, he's a very lucky guy. I just hope he's smart enough not to screw it up. Is just a beginning. There'll be rough patches, there's no doubt about it. Canal Plus and Langley Productions proudly present command performances from Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey, Patricia Arquette, and in the role of a lifetime, Gary Oldman. Well, you crazy assholes, you did it. You got us to watch the 2003 Matthew McConaughey-led, Gary Oldman shining starring, Peter Dinklage co-starring, inextricable plot, tiptoes. You also left out the great Kate Beckinsale and Patricia Arquette. A, a truly a cavalcade of stars uh, for this one. And first things first, I guess McConaughey is the, in a sense, he's the traditional romantic lead, but I don't feel like he's doing the heft of the work in this film. No, he is a lead of sorts. Uh, Guy, hi. How are you? Oh, yeah, good man. Hey, Tim. Uh, I've just finished watching Tiptoes, a movie that I was first told about by uh, a friend after we'd seen... What did we even go to? We went to Detective Pikachu together. And uh, (laughs) after we'd watched that, we we got home and we were um, talking about the movie and smoking weed, which is not relevant, only this elevated how funny I found the premise of this movie in the first place. And he said, have you heard about the the McConaughey uh, dwarf movie? And I I mean, I hadn't. And I guess, had you, was this on your periphery? Yeah, definitely. This is, uh, this, this is a movie that probably like, a, well, for me, it was a couple of years ago, caught the attention of the corners of the internet that I hang out in. And people went fucking wild. It was one of those things where someone found out about it and then suddenly there was a trailer and everyone was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this the tra- Yeah, for anyone who is listening along and hasn't seen the movie or, uh, you know, I, I would recommend watch the trailer alone. The trailer... I mean, does, they, the trailer they have does something just been that- hit... Uh, guy, they have just been hit by the audio of the trailer. 
I know that oh. you never listen to these episodes, but that's what happens in the Patreon Palace. Oh, wow. That's a nice touch. Now, uh, now <laughs> We've done about 30 of these. That's enough of uh, experiencing it only with your ears. This is a movie that literally has to be seen to be believed. So I want you to pause the podcast and watch the goddamn thing. It does a thing... <laughs> That so few trailers do, which is it accurately represents both in tone, quality, and story the movie that you are deciding whether or not to watch. And um, when I say it must be seen to be believed, I, I mean, I just I can't make it clear enough. Gary Oldman portrays a little person in this movie, and I don't want to say convincingly uh, because I don't know enough about the physicality of the role, but emotionally. The guy brings it. Yeah, he's great. He is undeniably great with his acting skills in it. So <laughs> let us first open the can of Tiptoes 2003 and figure out what the plot is, which actually isn't that complicated, really. This is a romantic, I was going to say, co- no, it is. Well, yeah, I'm going to say a romantic comedy drama that is centered around at least initially, Matthew McConaughey and Kate Beckinsale. Two beautiful people who we open the movie. They're smooching. She's a painter. He's a firefighter, or he trains firefighters. And it's about their life together. They are, um, they've been together for, uh, I got the sense it was sort of a, about a year and a half, something like that. They have spoken at some point about getting married. Um, Matthew McConaughey disappears at the start of the movie rousing suspicion from his partner, uh, Carol, his name is Stephen, because he's going to, what is in essence his family, um, what are they called? A uh, reunion. But literally it's it's a a little person convention, but so much of his family has uh, dwarfism that they all get together at these conventions and that's where they kind of hang out. These Cheapskate motherfuckers of Trojan horse their family reunion into an entirely unrelated convention. Uh, or another interpretation is that they consider the other people living a similar lives to them as their extended family. That's true, but uh, you know, a lot, uh, that's that's a decision that might not be reciprocated by a lot of people who just want to go to a little person convention. They don't want to deal with an entire. You know the the baggage and the the high, emotional highs and lows that come with uh, an, a genuine family unit inserting themselves inside of what is a celebration. That's um, true. I think you know the the ethics of that particular decision aside, you've done a great job of framing the top of the movie, uh, and from there the the plot just it is if you remove it the thickens. fact, it well barely if you remove the fact that. Uh, Matthew McConaughey comes from a family of dwarves uh, or little people. I'm actually not sure what the the appropriate word to use. This movie is uh, champions the word and distinction that his family are dwarves. Uh, the, the 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 some of the other characters refer to these uh, the, these people as midgets, and uh, McConaughey gets upset at, upset at that. And then Kate Beckinsale says, "I don't really care about the language." But later in the movie, we see we we see the the worm turning as she starts to. She cares uh, a lot. I yeah, think, she. I think she, the M word is uh, pretty universally recognised as a pejorative. But this movie was made fifteen years ago, so like maybe there is 
new um, better lingo as well. So apologies uh, on behalf of Guy and myself if we're not using the correct nonclementia. But may I grab the reins on the plot again? At your insistence, go ahead. So he refuses to tell his partner where he's going. He has not told his partner that he has uh, a lot of family members who have dwarfism. And so she's like a little bit suspicious, but not too suspicious. Maybe he's seeing another woman, something. He, he's not telling her what it is. She's like, it's kind of weird. It is revealed very uh, quickly up top that she's pregnant. She's carrying a baby. And Matthew McConaughey, Stephen, has quite a weird, um, angry, bad reaction to this. Not the sort of joyful one you'd, you'd expect to see in a movie where a, um, a couple in love have an announcement that they're going to get married. So she's, uh, oh, sorry, that they're going to have a baby. So that happens, and there's a bit of friction between them. And then, I can't even remember what happens immediately after that. Is it, that, that's when his brother turns up, right? Which is Gary Oldman. Uh, at, yeah, at their garage loft space. Um, yeah. So McConaughey's but, dealing with the news badly and he disappears to work and then out of nowhere pops Gary Oldman. Kate Beckinsale, understandably surprised. Uh, she has not heard tell, I don't know, of whether or not McConaughey has a brother at all. Uh, and the movie plays this, you know, they, they, they sort of, they draw uh, confusion and plot out of this as best they can. And, yeah, I mean, what, what follows is a very primitive uh, rom-com plot where it's a will they or won't they, Kate Beckinsale continues to carry the baby and learn about the family. Uh, McConaughey rails against the idea that, I guess it's it's an identity crisis for him more than anything, isn't it? That's what it's meant to be. It is, it's- it's him wrestling with himself. I wouldn't describe it as primitive necessarily. This movie is fucking interesting because what it has tried to do at least is, uh, I think, laudable and um, kind of ambitious and that it is shining a light on uh, the lives of little people and their plight. There's um, a bit made about the various medical conditions that's associated with dwarfism. And I think it, I mean, I imagine, I haven't had a lot of experience around it, but uh, gives a... a hopefully pretty accurate depiction of um, the sorts of things that little people have to deal with in their day-to-day. Um, there's a great scene where the parents meet each other. So Kate Beckinsale's parents meet Matthew McConaughey's parents who are both dwarves. And uh, that's um, that's a bit of fun because they kind of play with the fact that the dad's totally fine with it, but Kate Beckinsale's mum is very taken aback but then suddenly isn't and then the problem without any sort of clue in the dialogue or the scene whatsoever the problem then becomes uh that matthew mcconaughey is is not jewish which is then immediately resolved when he agrees to have a jewish wedding um and then everything's fine which is we- it's a weird scene it's fucking bizarre it's sort of played like a yeah that i mean i can see i can see what they're doing it's not it doesn't quite earn the right to do it, but there's a. a he's, they say, well, obviously we've got to talk about the the you know the elephant, the elephant in the room. The room. And uh, the issue I think is that the elephant to which they're referring is is unseeable to literally anyone else. Um, though we watch Kate Beckinsale starting to panic, and uh, it, it's yeah, as 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 you've outlined, it all it all turns out 
fine. I just want to say this movie was um, from from the, from the research I've done. This movie uh, originally the the original cut that was turned in by director Matthew Bright was significantly longer than the film we just watched. Mm. That makes uh, perfect sense to me because this ending is abrupt. Uh, apparently, it was two and a half hours long. Uh, oh, wow. And it, it screened at a film festival in Austin, Texas, and uh, none other than, than star, uh, co-star of the film, Peter Dinklage himself, referred to it as gorgeous. But the people who fired Bright then uh, rapidly, drastically changed the cut and ruined the movie. That sucks, man. Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean... It's that's Hollywood, baby. That's showbiz. Who knows? Who knows if Dinklage was right though? Because I have so much love for Peter Dinklage. He is like a delight anytime he pops up in a, a on screen, or even if you hear him, because he is, uh, I think, a, a pretty um, sought after voiceover artist as well. Now, he uh, is not great in this film. He is playing a surly French. Marxist misogynist for some reason who hooks up with um, Patricia Arquette who is portraying this uh, sort of drifter hippie chick and it's like he's very unlikable but I just can't get past the accent it's not great yeah, it's the kind I mean, of French accent you do at a party with your friends uh, I don't know if you're playing a game and you're not a professional actor it's controversial to say but you know, Gary Oldman almost does a better job of uh, portraying a little person in this film than Peter Dinklage does of a French person. Um, I can't co-sign that. Because the thing they have to do with Gary Oldman, <laughs> well, which creates some really funny, like, scene setups, is he always has to, like, be behind a bench or a couch or something. So, like, for example, in the scene where... Um, the parents are meeting each other. They he is inextricably behind the bar in the house, just serving everyone drinks. Everyone's outside having barbecue, uh, courtesy of Matthew McConaughey's dad, who's a very passionate barbecue. Um, and Gary Oldman just has to sort of stay inside in the living room because we've been set up with the fact that he is making the drinks behind the bar. And there's a lot of those kind of shots. They have at some points used some, some nifty little uh, tricks of the camera um, so that you do see a full body shot of Gary Oldman. And I did try in my head to reverse engineer, particularly the ones where he was like lounging on the couch. Um, it, it might be distasteful for me to get through how I think they did it. I'm not fully sure. Well... The, right. Yeah, the this the special effects in this movie um, involved. I mean, they to to make up for the very unnatural way that one must walk when you're walking on your knees. Uh, they've given Gary Oldman's character a quite pronounced limp and a cane. Um, and I have also on the trivia page of IMDb, I've also discovered that uh, Gary Oldman kept his jeans extremely high and tight for the entire film in order to create the illusion of a small person. Mm. Um, There's no getting away from it, folks. You're watching Gary Oldman uh, walking around on his knees for a lot of this film, which is... (laughs) Here's why that's difficult. All of these characters suck except Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman is not only doing fantastic acting. You don't have to be playing a good character to do good acting. I don't... You don't warm to anyone else. 
uh, in this movie. Everyone's pretty deplorable. To be honest, Kate Beckinsale's character is sort of redeemed in, in the third act um, quite big time. But throughout, Gary Oldman is just sort of a salt-of-the-earth guy who's trying to get through his life. Um, he's fallen on hard times, but he's a good guy. He's looking out for people around him. And he gets the absolute shit kick or taken out of him early in the film as well. Yeah, he does. He walks in on his ex. Uh, well, sort of walks in on her. No, actually. He turns so to her is for Sally. shelter. Yeah. That's right, because he's he's sort of I don't want to say destitute, but what is going on with him? It's like, is he without a home when we meet him? Uh, I think it it seems to me that they've him and Peter Dinklage have ridden their motorbikes from wherever they might be based because he has a home at the end of the film. True. Uh, so he just has nowhere to stay in Los Angeles. True. So he goes back to his old sweetheart Sally and they were high school sweethearts and they I think have been on again off again she's at the convention there's uh you know Matthew McConaughey knows her very well there's a lot of history there and uh so he's like hey I sort of need to crash at your house and she's uh, she's kind of like let's get back together right even in that brief moment she's like let's do it let's get back together and he's like no and then yeah, the, she, the man she, who Sally is seeing at the time comes in who's a douchebag and then they get in a tussle. Yeah. He, uh, she, she seems to be sort of, uh, played as it lies, uh, uh, that kind of person. Um, cause they, in some way they must get back together or they at least get emotionally involved because he becomes upset once again later in the film when she has sex with some sort of, uh, celebrity. I don't know. Oh yeah, what? was that a real? I don't know who that guy is, but they made the film makes you feel like he's a real singer. <laughs> so I don't know yeah. if that's true. Uh, I just before we get too far too far back into plot, I just want to continue sharing some of this information about uh, the production and Gary Oldman's uh, time on and off screen in it, because uh, a brilliant piece of trivia is that Gary Oldman would often make his famous moose soup for the cast and crew, and insisted everyone eat it instead of the provided catering. He claimed it. <laughs> he claimed it, and I quote: "Awoke the machines within." End quote. Needed for his once in a lifetime performance. Is is this true? This sounds like bullshit. Where are you well, reading this? It goes. Uh, it goes along with other fantastic pieces of trivia, such as. Uh, when asked what it was like playing a dwarf, Gary Oldman said it was very uncomfortable because of the way his knees would rub, rub, rub on the ground. Yeah, this sounds like a quality uh, interview and that he gave. What is this, finally, variety? Uh, Hollywood in this film, <laughs> This is the best piece of trivia I've found. In this film, Peter Dinklage drank so much water, he became the official water champ. He was soft at first, but got it done in three <laughs> long chugs. <laughs> This this sounds like you wrote that last one. <laughs> yeah, I would have gone to a little bit more trouble for it to make sense. But um, it seems like not only, you know, parts of the, the crew and the filmmaking process, they were having fun with it, but it seems to me like the internet has had a lot of fun with this since. And, uh, and rightly so. Like, it, mm. it, you know, it is incredible to consider how much work Gary Oldman is doing as an actor. Uh that you do almost forget he is portraying a little person. And, you know, you've got to feel for, 
like I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's condescending to say this, but you've got to feel for Peter Dinklage or any other number of little pe- people actors who, you know, here's a role with some real fucking emotional heft. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of not many in the history of cinema, and for Gary Oldman to kick in the door. Then that is a good down, point. Climb down on his knees and just act yeah. the absolute pants off of it. It's uh, you know, it's got to break your heart. He does a great job, but and again, it's two thousand three, and considering that, it is a pretty forward-looking movie. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's not perfect. I mean, it's a, but it's, it's not, not for, perfect. for the subject material. It's for the subject material. It's not nearly as problematic as. As you might imagine, you know, I'd yeah. love to see Scarlett and Johansson have a crack at that role. Actually, <laughs> this is a movie that has been made with love and care. You know, like that much is obvious. the The director, I think, elements of it may be a misguided, and I think lots of the script is shit. Um, and there's weird, despite the fact that this is a breezy ninety minute watch or ninety one minutes if you watch the French version. And I really would like to know what that extra minute is because I saw the English version. It's an apology um, for Peter Dinklage's accent. <laughs> just takes uh, 45 seconds at the end of the film. Um, uh, where was I going with that? I can't uh, even remember what I was saying. You were saying it's a breezy 90 minutes. Uh, it's a well-intentioned film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's made with love. Um, I, I want to see this original cut, this like two and a half hour long version, because it, it is possible that that was a good movie. You know, I think this oh, it's movie unlikely. was made with the best of intentions. Peter Dinklage said it was. He, uh, you know, he said in an interview, he described it as, as what did you say, gorgeous? Gorgeous. Yeah. And I think I read separately somewhere else, he used the word uh, maybe beautiful, something like that. And you get little hints of what I think the rest of this film is. There is a sequence, there's sort of like a, a little mini scene where there's a phone call between Matthew McConaughey and Kate Beckinsale. And Kate Beckinsale is shown in extreme close-up. We're just getting like her lips in this very shallow that, depth of field. That shot is crazy. And they really yeah. fucking go back to it. They It comes out of nowhere and it's a visual... Uh, style or language that isn't repeated anywhere else in the movie but I reckon it, the rest of it is probably a lot more of those bold moves you know I reckon that's what's on the cutting room floor some real big artistic sweeps yeah um, I have no reason to doubt that I I sort of think it's fu- It's we haven't even got to the end of the plot yet it is I would not I guess I'd be curious to see the longer version because the ending right now as it stands is, uh, as you've said, abrupt and sort of pretty crazy. It's kind of, when you know that the ending's crazy, it's kind of what you suspect might happen, but you don't think they'll just go out and actually do it and then just leave it like that. Not roll credits on the moment. So what happens is we're watching the not-so-gradual, it's pretty sudden, disintegration of Matthew McConaughey's character in the face of bringing a baby into the world um, that might have dwarfism as well. Yeah, quite then, late in the piece, it's introduced that his character might have um, anger management issues. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, but uh, this is not discussed at any point earlier. in the For the first hour, you're sort of like, oh, he's just a regular guy who's occasionally maybe a little bit of an asshole. But then it's like, oh, well, I know he's... 
Yeah, she suggests about midway through the film that he should probably seek therapy um, for basically, like, you know, denying his family and hiding it from her and that he doesn't deal with the side of his, his life and who he is very well, which I think is um, well-intentioned. I think it's yeah. probably good advice from Kate Beckinsale, uh, which obviously he doesn't take very well, but, you know, is what it is. But then Kate Beckinsale has the baby, and he fucking, like, punches a hole in the wall in the delivery room while they're talking to the doctor about uh, hormone therapies that the baby's going to get. Like, that's not... And everyone kind of... The doctor is there, um, and everyone just kind of goes on, like, okay, well, you know, you're a little bit upset, da-da-da. It's like... Nah, man, that's that's cooked. You can't do that. You can't punch a hole in a wall in a fucking hospital. Not Absolutely. with a newborn baby there. It's crazy Absolutely stuff. you can't. And they fight. The way they fight in front of the baby also, I mean, again, not a parent, not my place to say, but it's just, it, it doesn't seem to me to be on. Breaks your heart. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. But, you know, it's a high-stress situation. Um, people aren't perfect. Matthew McConaughey's character isn't. And this is actually like, there's a lot of things this film, it wins you over with. And I think Kate Beckinsale's treatment of their relationship is something that really appeals to me. Because she kind of like, I feel she really tries at the beginning and she kind of, she actually does all this independent research. She starts meeting with members of his family. She befriends and uh, strikes up quite a close kinship with Gary Oldman who is Matthew McConaughey's brother in this um, and she ends up really bettering herself after initially coming out and using pejorative terms and saying oh I don't care about you know uh, I don't care about that stuff um, when she uses the wrong terminology and Matthew McConaughey bristles at it she has a great journey to caring about these people, learning about them getting over herself trying to bring Matthew McConaughey into that newfound 
uh, sort of world of knowledge and love with her, fails to do so. And then she's like, you know what, bro? You can't. I'm not going to bring a baby into the world with you when you're going to be such a fucking douchebag. And I'm like, good shit, Kate Beckinsale. That's right. And so uh, she takes her child um, to... She sort of leaves... Yeah, she le- she leaves McConaughey and she goes to the woods to live with Gary Oldman in his house, where inevitably, uh, and eventually we wind up underneath a moonlit sky, and uh, Gary Oldman and her are having a, a moment that is rampant with sexual tension before Kate Beckinsale gently turns to Gary Oldman and says, "You can kiss me, Rolf," and he does. And no sooner have their lips met than the credits roll and you're just left to talk to Tim about what the fuck just happened. <laughs> it's so abrupt. That, that is the most abrupt credit roll I've ever seen in my life. It's just like <laughs> a, a, a kiss, boom, we're done. We're out of there. We don't, we didn't, I don't even know if we're supposed to have a good idea of what's going to happen with Matthew McConaughey's character. But also, we don't really care. My main fascination in this film was Peter Dinklage, I've got to say. Um, I love the guy. As I said, he didn't do a great job in this movie, I don't think. Not his best work. His accents are over the shop. That's that's what is fun about it. I think a good exercise might be for us to list all of the reasons outside of the plot and story of the movie. All the the things that would get you, say you, Tim, to, to be like, fuck it, I have to watch this movie. So obviously you've got Gary Oldman portraying a little person, which is uh, fascinating, funny, and interesting all at once. Uh, You've got Peter Dinklage putting on the who's performing this very over the top. It's what is fun. It's not a great acting performance, but you can see he's having fun with it. A very over the top French Marxist uh, motorcycle riding kind of asshole. Who at one point you get to see with uh, sort of Coolio style cornrows or braids um what bit of the movie does he have cornrows in uh it's probably it's probably close to braids i i it's i can't place it exactly but i remember seeing it thinking fucking why not why would this guy not do that with his hair uh I, i watched a little bit of this movie um very late last night so so that i could do this early morning report but it's later it's later in the um what the shit Anyway, it's later in the film, but I mean, if you if you I want to see Peter it. Dinklage putting on a French accent with hair like Coolio and the gangsters on the at the, I th- I, <laughs> this is a sidebar, but I was going to say in the Gangsters Paradise video, but I most vividly remember Coolio and his hairstyle in the intro for Nickelodeon television show Keenan and Cal. <laughs> That's Do you remember the reference that? point, folks? I don't remember him being in it. No guy. Um, not Pretty to say cool. he's not. Mm. He's not in the show, but they got a theme song with Coolio being Coolio, just rapping it like a music video. It's good get. You don't see a lot of that kind of uh, intro anymore with just like a musical artist playing themselves, describing the premise of the show. And that's a real shame. That needs to come back. I think (laughs) this film could have been served by something like that. If I was to select a musical artist to uh, do a bit of the plot here, it's actually a great way to just get some of the um, story out of the way so we can really just rip into to the fun and characterization 
movies should open with a song explaining the setup. What's about to happen? Yeah, it's it's nice. I've always loved uh, Lauren Lapkus's podcast intro for that very reason. It's perfect. It says, "Hey, this is what you're about to listen to." It's fucking. I think. For some reason, Christina Aguilera is coming into my head for this film. I think she would do a great job of uh, telling us what Tiptoes is all about. 2003. Oh, it's because of the baby. I was trying to figure out what the title was about. It's the baby. What do you mean? Wasn't that what you say? You like hear the pitter-patter of little feet? No, wait, that still doesn't make sense. No, it's Tiptoes. It's... Tiptoes definitely something to do with uh, trying to make yourself taller. Oh, Getting up on your tiptoes. It feels a little on the nose, doesn't it? But that's what it's got to be, right? I guess so. The guy who um, directed this film, is his name Matthew Wright? Uh, Bright. Bright, sorry. He had a crack at a Ted Bundy film one year before this came out. Um and unfortunately, it was before True Crime Podcast had done the heavy lifting of getting people excited about seeing, um, I don't know, Zac Efron portraying a serial killer, and it lost a tremendous amount of money. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just called Ted Bundy. And I think, um, I was just looking at it before, I think it was a budget of maybe like 1.3 mil, and it took tens of thousands of dollars uh, in the box office. Uh, well, yeah, you hate to see it, actually. If I go into his IMDb, uh, Tiptoes was kind of it for this guy. Yeah, Tiptoes was the last thing he's made, eh? It's the last entry in his filmography. <laughs> he's sort of building a bit sad. quite a solid bank of work, and it looks like the trajectory's going in the right direction. And then, you know, yep. you put out one film in which Gary Oldman portrays a little person, and suddenly your name is mud in Hollywood. But <laughs> this, this this film didn't even get a theatrical release, unfortunately. It went straight to DVD. Fuck, man. It's so yeah. crazy. And that was not the intention. You, This is a fucking... 2003, man. I can't remember exactly what McConaughey was up to at the time, but people knew who he was. He's a good-looking leading man. Kate Beckinsale, uh, probably just before all of the what were the um goddamn vampire underworld or whatever underworld the underworld series gary oldman is a, a timeless classic everyone's known he's been great for ages um peter dinklage game of thrones wasn't out so he wasn't as famous as he is now but people still knew he was a, a great uh you know a really solid acting talent this was a fucking good ass cast and I'd love to know how much this movie cost, um, but unfortunately, I haven't been able to find that information because I reckon yeah. it'd be quite a lot. Underworld, and, Underworld, and Van Helsing and The Aviator, all starring Kate Beckinsale, came out the same year or immediately after Tiptoes. I mean, this is right I at bet. the height of at the height of her arrival and fame. McConaughey, Didn't meanwhile, he? had just put out How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, opposite. That was huge. Uh, Kate Hudson, the wedding planner. Um, like, and what did uh, Gary Oldman had been in Hannibal in the oh, in two thousand and one? Like all of these people are not at the height of their fame necessarily, but certainly at the peak of you know they all three qualified A listers alongside Peter Dinklage spots. and Patricia Arquette, who are two well recognized character actors. 
And for it to be buried without a cinema release, like, I guess the internet wasn't around and as prevalent then. Can you imagine the furore if this, if this trailer and this movie was announced in modern times? You'd I reckon love, it would probably make a lot of money. Yeah. Do you? I, yeah, I think it would, but I think not for the right reasons. <laughs> I think people would be like, uh, definitely, yes, I will see this. This, sh- this shouldn't exist. This weird anachronistic film. But, th- but then I keep coming back to the fact that like the mission of this film is laudable, and I do think it was made with really strong intentions and a lot of love from the director. Um, it's not... This is certainly not a film that is poking fun of dwarfism or little people. And I like the little um, moments that we get of seeing some realistic portrayals of the sort of trials and tribulations of particularly the medical aspects of dwarfism. Like Peter Dinklage um, hooks up with Patricia Arquette and they're getting freaky in a, uh, a cheap hotel room or a motel room alongside... Gary Oldman, who it, it, there's only one room left. It's like Jesus, you know? There was only one space left, so they had to share the room. And uh, just like Jesus, Peter Dinklage fucks Patricia Arquette. But then, because he's had so much booze and stuff, he gets uh, he, he gets a lot of pain. He gets uh, very ill. And um, Gary Oldman has to explain to Patricia Arquette that it's just sort of part of the territory. It's a lot of um, pain and sort of suffering that comes... With, with being a little person. It's all good stuff. It's, you know, it's dark, it's gripping, it's personal. That's what drama is. You get a shot of but Peter then you got Dinklage. Gary Oldman. His hair, his hair is beautiful. <laughs> he pulls out a little fucking revolver and he's uh, back against the wall ready to shoot this <laughs> motel owner who pretty reasonably is just like, hey, you guys, uh, it's 3 p.m. It's checkout. You've only paid for one night. And he's like, okay, I'm going to escalate this to the, the <laughs> highest possible degree it's and so draw a gun. And before yeah. he can do anything, he somehow pleaded such a persuasive case of the lifestyle of Patricia Arquette that she just bursts out the door and starts beating this guy's ass hard. She's a loose cannon, though. She's ready to go off at anyone. Uh, I don't think it took a lot for her to get there. What do you think of her character? What do you think of Patricia Arquette's character in this? She, I don't know, like, she's not specifically very well drawn. She's fun to play. Like, her and Peter Dinklage is just nice whenever they're on screen because I don't know that they, I don't know that they were given scripts. I feel like everyone else maybe was given a a guiding script and then they were like, okay, Patricia, Peter, you go away, you create backstories for your characters, and then you can just come and fill out the world of the movie. And This they... is a fucking stunning indictment on Patricia Arquette's sense of imagination if she and, came up with this. And then they went away and they sort of thought about it initially for five minutes and then forgot about it for two weeks, and then suddenly they were on set and Peter just started doing the accent and rolled right ahead with it. And Patricia Arquette was like, well, abrasive drunk woman, I guess. Yeah, um, she's um, she's basically a two-dimensional version of someone you'd meet at uh, Burning Man. You know, yeah. a lot of... Like, Peter Dicklidge wakes up after he's been in extreme pain in that hotel room with all of these uh, gemstones and crystals laid on his body that Patricia keeps put there. It's nice little touches like that, you know. There's, there's a bit of fun to be had in this film. 
Matthew McConaughey's character is so irredeemable, though. It's so crazy to get um, the arguably sort of central person. We at the outset of the film, he's set up to be the star, but he isn't really by the end. And he's just a fucking nightmare. The dude's a, a war- hey. Here's a question. So they go to a party in the middle of this movie, right? And I think it's part of the journey of Kate Beckinsale coming to terms and normalizing um, all these little people who are in her life now via Matthew McConaughey's family. And Matthew McConaughey inextricably brings two female recruits uh, who he's training to be in the fire service. What the fuck's up with that? Well, I, I guess it's probably explained in the two and a half hour yeah, version. It's, a, it, but like, it's, a t- it's two and a half hour movie stuff because it's they're re- obviously they're obviously seeding like you know the idea. You see glimpses of the fact that Kate Beckinsale might be afraid that McConaughey's up to no good before it comes out that um, he's just trying to not cover, I guess, but you know that he's just not he's not being open about his family. Uh, and so I feel like the because we see him interacting with one of those firefighting cadets at work, uh, who I feel it's like in the, two, in the two and a half hour movie is probably revealed to be a, a like a bad person, like some sort of uh, I imagine she's drawn as some sort of selfie, selfish and greedy seductress who wants McConaughey for whatever reason, um, and Kate Beckinsale's I don't know threatened by or whatever. I feel like in the two and a half hours, you would have seen a big fight around that character at some point. Do you reckon they fucked Guy Montgomery, the recruit, and Matthew McConaughey's character? In, tw- in the two and a half hour vision? No, I don't think so. Yeah. McConaughey's character's got a lot of problems, but I don't think uh, loyalty to his partner is one of them. I don't trust this movie enough. I reckon he, I reckon he did cheat on her. Why else would you put all these weird things in the movie? It's so weird that he brings those two women to the party. It's not explained yeah. <laughs> even a little bit. I want to introduce um, you to two of my lessons. junior colleagues who I've brought exactly. to this swanky, uh, another family reunion slash general party. That party looked fucking dope, though. It looked like a really good time. Like The house itself was fantastic, and everyone looked like they were ha- having a ball. Um, until who did Peter Dinklage get in a big fight with? Was it Sally, his old sweetheart, or was it someone else? There was there was the party where <laughs> Sally is fucking this <laughs> this muso in a um, room that's like a dining room with these huge open bay windows looking out onto a very full patio of people. And she's fucking this dude, and we are led to believe that it's invisible to the party goers because the lights are off. And it's not until Gary Oldman walks in and turns the lights on that it's like, oh, yeah, we can see you. It's like, no, you'd definitely be able to see that. She's right up against the window. Yeah, it's uh, it's not quite perfect, but sometimes it gets so close that uh, it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I would recommend um, Tiptoes to literally anyone. It is uh, yeah. just as a as a cultural curiosity. It is uh, well worth stopping by. And at ninety minutes, it, it it does breeze straight through. I mean, the ending will arrive very quickly. But Too also, quickly, actually. Uh, Matthew Bright wrote, directed this movie. He also wrote it under the um, pen name Bill Weiner. What the fuck is that about? You kidding me? Uh, um, no. <laughs> I'd like to have a chat to Matthew and find out what that was all about. I think what needs to happen now 
is that I think they need to remake Tiptoes and they need to do it properly. And they could involve a lot of the same people. Um, Gary Oldman died, didn't he? No. I keep thinking he's dead because I keep getting him confused with someone and I don't know who it is. Gary Oldman is Ga- super alive. Is one day I will... Who played Snape? Uh, oh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, so I keep thinking of. I don't know why I confused those two. They're pretty fucking different. Anyway, they need to remake Tiptoes, I think. Um, because, here's the thing. I don't know of any other film that tries to tackle with the subject matter of what it's like to be a little person or the intersecting worlds of uh, having little people in your family or being a little person and sort of, you know, the, the interesting intersections with the rest of society. It's, uh, it's good. It's ripe terrain, and I want to see it done right. And I'd like to see the studio not wrestle it out of the director and writer's hands. Who may call himself Mr. Wiener on occasion? That's, you've got to trust the creative process, all right? Let him release his movie. I want Peter Dinklage to definitely be there again. I could take or leave Patricia Arquette. I think Kate Beckinsale's had her day. I insist upon Matthew McConaughey reprising his role as a fucking asshole punching a wall in a hospital. And I want to see all the other little people because I think all of them did uh, great performances. I didn't see any of them drop the ball except Peter Dinklage's accent. Ah, yeah, but he's, he's, a, he's a big draw now, so you've got to keep him around. Bankable as fuck. So I think I got I two, tiptoeing back in. That's the subtitle. Oh, uh, so it's not a remake. It it's, no. what, it's not a remake. It's just the same characters in the modern day. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those reboots where it's kind of um, no half fucking. It's half. a sequel. It's a sequel. Well, I you think they got it right the first time. So why bother? A perfect film. And for me. Uh, a loving three out of five. Honestly, three out of five for this movie. 90 minutes. You're not going to miss an hour and a half. Thank you so much for voting for it, everyone. I know that this has been a long journey. Uh, this has been in the polls for ages among the Patreon Deciders Club, which you can be part of uh, by contributing $10 a month to our Patreon, and then you get to decide which of these movies we watch. Uh, in the present day, we are, we're trying to crank through slightly more of these than normal. We normally do one a month, but we're trying to do... Um, a couple of months at the moment. So thank you for this delight. Can't wait to see what you find for us next. And uh, Guy Montgomery, I'm glad you had a good time. I think you had a good time. Sounds like you had a good time with this one. I did. I had a good time. Uh, It was, yeah, it was a rare delight at the hands of and mercy of our um, barbaric listeners. So thank you so much. Also, if you are in London England. It's probably worth mentioning that we are coming to the London Podcast Festival on Friday the 6th of September for a live show, the likes of which we have not put on before and will not put on again. This is um, going to be a very special event. You will not want to miss this. That's right. Should we announce it now or should we do that later? No, later, because we've got to iron out all the kinks, I think, figure this thing okay. out. But, but suffice uh, to say, it's high stakes. Yeah, it's high stakes. So that's the worst day of all time. It's part of the London Podcast Festival. We are there on uh, the 6th of September. Very excited. Our first trip 
as a podcast to the United Kingdom. So if you are there or know anyone there who can make it along, please send them our way. We'd love to see you. Otherwise, continue to choose kindly and wisely. Um, and thank you. R.I.P. Gary Oldman. Tiptoes. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.